A listener note. The safety information discussed in this podcast are our views based on our personal firsthand experiences. Each safety situation presents unique risks, and the solutions discussed in this podcast should not take the place of thorough risk assessments or evaluations based on your specific circumstances. Thank you. Welcome to Safe, Efficient, Profitable, a Worker Safety Podcast, where we break down real problems from real situations and discuss realistic solutions. And here's your host, owner of Allen Safety LLC and CHMM, Joe Allen. Good day. This is Joe. Welcome back to our episode 14. We're going to be talking today about elevated work and fall issues. I asked a few days ago if people would ask uh, some questions, and they did. And one of them was on one of my previous podcasts. I talked about using an extension ladder to get to a tree. And people said, well, how, how big is your tree? It's not that I have a big tree. It's only four foot Christmas tree. But what happened was is that the tree was up above the front entryway. And the only way to get up there is to use a ladder. So did I follow some of the rules we're getting ready to talk about? Absolutely, I did. So we're going to talk about the tree a little bit today. The other thing is we've had people ask, why am I not talking so much about the OSHA standards or OSHA codes? I'm not saying they're not important. I'm kind of taking it as a given that there's resources already out there and you can access those resources and you can basically go on the internet and find a lot of the resources. This is more of the one-offs or the weird that we're seeing after everything is done. We've worked a lot of events where everything looked like it was perfect. The training the documentation and everything was flawless and somebody still had an injury. So I spend more time, how did they have the injury even though everything was perfect? And since that's a lot of my year, personally, I'm like, okay, I don't assume that everything's perfect. I'll investigate. But at the end of the day, most of the stuff is pretty good nowadays. It's the one-off is where I spend my time. So these podcasts are designed to maybe look at the picture or look at the puzzle we talked about differently, forcing you to think about, uh, is this outside of the box issue? That's the goal of these. So that's where we're at today. So today is elevated work and fall. I like the elevated work coming up to some of the other podcasts. I'm looking for anything that could cause randoms. And one of the rands with elevated work is I spend a lot of time on projects or working with ladders or working with people having to go to elevated heights. And what are concepts of designs we've seen that work? And I'll give you a perfect example. We have the program and you have a program and you'll capture elevated work. I don't disagree. You should have a program. Does that elevated work say that we will not work at the weather's a certain amount of miles per hour outside? Now, that item, I don't see in a lot of elevated work programs, but in my world, it's very important. I have a lot of places that are outdoors, buildings, barns, mills. In the great state of Oklahoma I grew up in, we would say a 50-mile-an-hour day on a March means it's going to be warm. You can go fishing now. If you go to Florida and you say it's over 35 miles an hour, they want to shut down the bridges for the school buses. Completely same scenario, but different parts of the country have different variables. So I put into my programs details like that that are specific for those areas. Is there going to be a hazard if I'm putting sheet metal on a building if it's over 35 miles an hour? Yes, then I need to put that in my elevated work program because I'm still trying to manage how the person is doing that task. Now, back putting up this tree back up and down each year. Did I do an assessment of it? You bet. Did I document it? Nope. But I did evaluate the hazard. I looked at the extension ladder. I looked at the footing of it. I looked at the resources that I had around me, myself and Jen. And I looked at how we were going to move this tree from point A to point B. 
I've also talked about reducing risk. Reducing risk is twofold. How do I reduce risk to myself? I asked Jen to go up the ladder. See, I've reduced risk. Overall, I reduce risk, but absolutely for me, I reduce risk to zero. So there is different ways to look at risk is what I want you to know is there's the overall process and then there's the individual process. So we're going to talk about a little bit of both today. So in my programs, I'm going to talk about how do I do that job task? Am I going to elevate a work assessment? Do I have a form that can do that? Do I have some way to capture these, these processes that people are doing? We've talked about end result. We've talked about end user doing a process. If the end user has to use a scissor lift or a boom lift or some kind of device where they're going in the air, I want to have the right equipment to do the task. I don't want to have equipment that is not sturdy when I get up higher. I don't want to have people that are nervous when they get to a certain place like myself. I don't like heights. So you put me in a boom lift and I'm fine. But after we go about five feet off the ground, I start getting nervous. So it's how you've got to analyze what is the process going to be to do that task and break that down in your program. So I have an elevator work assessment. I do put on the assessment a few things that people may not think about. And one of those things I always want to have on the assessment, the surroundings, not just the job they're going to do or the unit or the pre-inspection. So I spend a lot of time on the surroundings. Is there truck traffic or forklift traffic? Is it could be muddy outside? Could it be something that's going to make that particular elevator work process change a dynamic and cause a fall? So yes, I'm dealing with fall issues, but I want to make sure that they have to drive the scissor lift or the boom lift five feet in front of them and it goes through mud. Can it tip over and something be wrong when all they're trying to do is move it left to right to finish a project? Now, should they come down each time and move? You bet. I'm just talking about real time. What are people going to do? Because even if people come all the way down a lift or boom and try to move it, they can still probably get stuck or aggravated. And that emotion starts. The other thing I'm looking at is usually time sensitive data. What that means is, if somebody is performing a process with a scissor lift or a boom lift or some kind of elevated work platform, I'm concerned about how many minutes it takes to do the job. I'm not going to say there's a good or bad. I'm just looking at when I do an assessment, how long that's going to take. Because there is a point in time where people feel rushed or people feel like they're having a problem. They tend to want to skip a few steps to get back on course. And I don't want that to be the cause of the injury. Also, some people will rent the units, so they want to get it back by a certain time, so they'll try to hurry up the end. So the mud, getting stuck in the mud for 15 to 20 minutes could cause a chain of events that can make people say, well, I've got to get this back before. I need to do this now. Well, let's just get this done real quick. And that it's that emotion, it's that state that starts that I'm trying to prevent. So when I do an elevated work assessment, and I put that in my program, I'm looking at how I'm going to do that process. I'm going to train certain people to do the elevator work assessment, but I'm not going to train everybody. The reason I'm not, I want project managers or engineer maintenance or safety. I want people who are experts at what they're evaluating to go do that process, and I want to train them on it. That way, they're looking at the picture the same as me. What I do not want to do, I do not want to have myself go do the elevator work assessment, say it's not fine, Someone else evaluates the next day, says it's fine. And then the third day, someone else evaluates it and has another version because that is a subject or an issue that could cause serious harm if not done correctly. So it's one of those that if we do the process, we want it to be a constant way that we do it for that location and the way we fill out that form. So we have to give education to people on what the line items mean and how we're going to fill it out. Now, the other thing I'm looking at is the routine and non-routine task. Just like I talked about renting a unit. 
I see places that have lots of sizzlers, lots of boomlets and platforms and rolling staircases and they have scaffolds they put up and all of those are great. But I also see when they're like, okay, I'm running behind, rent another one for Friday. And it's capturing that data as does the one they rented have all the same safety features as the one they're currently using. Is a pre-check form they're going to use going to match that? Is the information or the delivery time going to affect the project they're doing? So I'm going to look at different variables now when I'm looking at projects or renting this equipment that I ne- not necessarily would when I'm planning it out and I'm doing all my checks and it's a daily use unit on the property. Non-routine. Here's an example. I need to go up in a device and go 15 feet up in the air. This particular room I'm in has nowhere to tie off. So I've decided to build a platform to stand on to do the work I need to do and try to figure out a way to tie off. What do I do going up to build the platform, but there's nowhere to tie off, but I can't reach the place I want to build a platform with the scissor lift, but I need the platform and I have to get the platform, I'm good to go. That's the world I live in. I'm not talking about everything being flawless, going up and down. There's nothing around me. It's all great. I can do my job and come back down. What I'm looking at from a task perspective is how their body, again, is going to move. What's the safest way to do it? I'm thinking about that. What's the most efficient way? Maybe I have different lifts or different booms or coming at a different angle. And what is the most profitable way or what is most to do that? I need to look at the type of devices I would use and or the time of day I may do it. If we have a project going on, I may do particular tasks in the morning and some late in the day. If it's a hot day, I may do some of the elevator work in the morning so they're not so hot when they're up inside of a ceiling area where it could be hot during the day. So I'm looking at all these pieces as I'm evaluating that process that those people are going to perform. It's the everyday stuff most people are pretty good with. I'm looking for the, the one-offs or the non-routine or the weird and how we're going to manage that as we go. The other thing we're looking at here is on equipment. There will be people talking about different kinds of equipment you can rent or different kinds of equipment you can own and have and use. And, and I think that's fine. We're not really talking about PPE at this moment because there's people say, do you need to wear this or how do you do this? You look at a piece of equipment, it's going to have a tie-off point. It's going to ask you to wear a harness, wear a harness and tie-off. That's the only discussion I have on that. I get questions all the time. Do I need to wear a harness? Do I need a tie-off? Is there a place to tie off? Yes, uh, hook into it and let's move on. But if we are going to wear a harness, let's wear it correctly because we see a lot of people with the leg straps not done correctly or the back of the D-ring is not in the right position or they have one lanyard and they raise the boom lift and they get to a particular part on a roof. They got to climb out of the boom lift and they have the single lanyard. There's nothing else to hook up to. A foot from the edge of the building. I want to make sure that they're tied off 100%. So not that the PPE is important or not, but to me, the PPE is more of a job function. and how to go from point A to point B, not just the PPE. So for the where I would place this boom, if I place this boom on a roof seven feet in or 10 feet in, I, I'm not so worried about them getting hurt when they get out of the boom falling off the edge. But if I'm going to put it a foot from the edge, I'm more concerned about that now. So still, I'm going back to what is the hazard assessment, what is the elevator work assessment, and what is the task I expect them to do? And have I gave them training on how to manage that risk and reduce that risk? Now, another thing we'll see when we're using some of the elevator work equipment is we will see like people have barrier tape they'll put around it. And I think that's fine too. It keeps traffic out of that area as in foot traffic or other types of traffic, but it does no good if everyone still goes through there. So I ask people as a courtesy, if you see barrier tape of some kind, whether it be caution, danger, whatever your policy procedure says to use, that people should manage that to make sure there is no one 
going through there. Just like you may have a spotter, someone has to go drive somewhere and go under a power line or go around a building so they don't hit a wall or hit a building or hit some kind of obstacle. Same thing. Have somebody, if you have to, designated that's going to be managing that area because if the person who's managing the lift, we want them to stay focused on the job tasks they're doing and not everything else around them, including if the job task is doing elevated work and they're pulling off sheet metal off the side of a building or they're grinding or if they are removing some kind of product that they're going to throw to ground level. We don't want anybody to be in those areas where the hazard's coming down because we want to keep the people doing the task, getting it done. Because remember, I want to reduce the amount of minutes they have to do it, and I reduce the amount of steps they have to do because I want to keep them out of harm's way as much as I can. So if the project is going to take 25 minutes because there's people walking around down below, could it take 10 minutes if no one was there? Let's get the job done and go on. I had to have a roof replaced multiple times in my life with some kind of storm damage, and I didn't stand out there while they were throwing the stuff off the roof and when all the nails were coming off and say, oh, are they doing a good job or not? I need to be standing feet and feet away to make sure there's no hazard for me also. So that's a different way I look at it. Now, from the fall side, I've worked a multitude of events where people have fell. Some of those were over the wind issues where the wind came up and picked up people and moving them. I'm also into people reaction. What reaction means is that there is a product or process that moves and I react to it. I've had a lot of falls in that moment. Something made noise to the right of me. I was on a ladder. I went to the right real quick. And when I looked to the right, the ladder came off balance and it fell. I went to wear a harness. And when I was getting ready to click into it, someone said something. And I looked to the left and I don't click into the place exactly right and I fall. Those kind of events are what I get involved with. Is how did we have everything in place and everything was perfect, but the person still fell. I look at a lot of reaction falling. So I call things called corners. What corners means is poles and shovels and items that are put in the corner. And when they're put in the corner, are they secured or not? And if they're not secured and somebody hits one, can that item fall back? And if that item falls back, will it make me react and fall? I could be on a ladder. I could be on a platform. I get ready to climb something. I could just be in the general area of what I'm going to do. But that reaction is what I'm looking for. Is there anything in the area that causes that reaction and makes me fall? I've had people, a lot of people on ladders will go to climb the ladder and they're spooked or something happens and they lose their balance. Uh, A loud noise or somebody coming through, but something takes their attention away. So when I'm looking at evaluating a workspace design, I'm looking at what is the causes around them that could make them react. And I spend a lot of time on that. Because I know that I'm going to so many places that are new and I don't know the environment that well. And it's pretty amazing how when you walk through somewhere new, how you're a little hypersensitive about different noises and things in motion. But after you work there for a while, you it kind of comes not as hazardous. And it still is, but it's that reaction. Now, I also look at when we're doing any kind of elevated work or fall system process is where are you going to tie off? I'm not saying there's always a perfect spot. What you're supposed to be saying is, how? How am I going to meet the intent? And that sometimes does not need to be done the two days before a project. It may be months before the project. Part of the project may be, how are we going to tie everybody off to do the project? So anything like that, that could affect a human going up in an elevated work area, I'm looking at how do I reduce those risks weeks ahead of time before I try to do a particular project. Now, the last thing we have is whenever it's break time. So you're at a manufacturing facility, for example, or anywhere, and something goes wrong. And you said, I got to fix that right now. 
and maybe it's changing the light bulb. Okay, so I'm going to grab the ladder and I've realized I can't reach a ladder and I need to do some other way to change that light bulb. Every minute that is going by in that 15 minute break, your emotions are changing. And as your emotions are changing, whether you realize or not, you start to hurry, you start to cut corners. And as you do that, the risk is going up. What I want to do is understand that there's certain lights I may not be able to get to and certain light bulbs I cannot do. So what I should do is on the first 15 minute break that I'm going to do it, what I should do is say, all right, it's a 15 minute break. How am I going to do this? And then when the next 15 minute break comes, make me I have all the equipment out there or start staging it. So when it's ready to go, I have a thorough plan I can get it done. I'm not really doing an elevated work assessment, maybe paperwork wise, like I would for a project, but I'm still doing the basic idea. I'm just breaking it over different break times so I can get my plan together and my information together so I can manage the steps I'm going to do and reduce the amount of time up there and reduce the amount of exposure. So that's the general idea of how I look at the elevator work and fall. Last, we want to close with is if you decide that you have to go up and you're taking feet off the ground and doing a task, already your risk went up. So we talked about every foot that we go up, our risk is increasing. Every time I take a step on a ladder, my risk is increasing. Every time I'm having to reach a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, my risk is increasing. What I want to try to do first is look at engineering controls. Can I build a platform? Can I build a scaffold? Can I do something that that particular task gives me a better footing and a better place to put my product while I'm working? What I don't like to have is people in elevator work situations where everything around their feet is cluttered, where every step they make or every piece of equipment or everything they have is with them. And I worry about that. So one of the things I do is, even like portable tools, I'm going to take a screwdriver up. If I go elevated work and I'm going to use a screwdriver, I would ask people, can you hook the screwdriver to some kind of lanyard so or rope or something so at least if you drop it, it doesn't go into equipment, I have to go get it later, or it doesn't go into blender units, or it doesn't go to ground level, or it doesn't get on a, a random conveyor that may go to product up top, you know, 100 feet with the screwdrivers going that far. I'm looking for random things like that when I'm doing the elevator work. So one, keep stuff away from their feet. Try to not have, do elevator work if you can. But if you are going to, think about your tools and think about the equipment they're taking up with them and try to think of ways they can bring it. Maybe they bring a rope and they bring the, a bag up of tools later after they do it. Maybe that they have half of the lift has a person in it and the other half has equipment in it. And then whenever they go up to do the task, they've got it. Now, the last part I do want to cover is I do not have anybody do elevator work that could cause harm such as a line break or a chemical event or hydraulics or pneumatics or hot water. I don't like having anybody do elevator work like that and some kind of scissor lift or boom lift without having a spotter down below that knows how to drop them out of the hazard area. I've worked events where people went up, cut into a pipe, something went wrong, and they can't drop themselves down. We want to be able to hit the control down below, bring them down to ground level, and get them out of harm's way. So anyway, those are a few ideas. Appreciate you listening today. Really appreciate the people have asked the questions. I will try to address questions on the following podcast. So please don't think if I missed yours, I wasn't going to get to it. If it was elevator work relevant, I'll talk about it like the ladder at the tree. If it's uh, PITs or hot work or chemical related, I'll try to cover that whenever I cover that subject. But I appreciate you again for each listening in. Have a good day, and I'll talk to you next time. 
Thank you for listening to Safe, Efficient, Profitable, a worker safety podcast. If you like what you heard here, please take a moment to write us a quick review, like, subscribe, and share our podcast so that others can find us. For questions or to request topics that you'd like to hear on our next show, please visit us at www.allen-safety.com. Thank you. Stay safe.